oversight on whoever put that hymnal together to leave out one of the top five greatest hymns of all time. And my personal favorite, but it's neither here nor there. I do have to start with there's something very, very, very important, and, and it's this. Um, the Vikings are in the playoffs. Um, so, and they are going to win. And this is how I know. Scriptures say that, that the prayer of a righteous man is powerful. And I've been praying a lot. Um, no, I'm just, just kidding. Sorry. On, on a more serious note, we're uh, in week three of our Building Bridges sermon series. We're going to be talking about breaking barriers um, this morning. And, and I would love just to start with a word of prayer. Um, before we get into it, and, uh, and, and just to ask God's blessing on this time. So let's bow our heads, let's go uh, to the Lord um, in prayer. Uh, God, um, I am thankful for, um, God, these people. God, the folks that are here this morning. God, I, I pray that you bless them. Um, God, through the preaching of your word. God, we know from the scriptures that your word is powerful and active. It's like a two-edged sword cutting to bone and marrow. In other words, it penetrates and cuts and gets into the places that we need it to be. Um, God, and that is my prayer this morning, is that as I speak and preach, that my words be your words, that they fall on attentive ears and open hearts, and they reach into the places where they need to. Uh, God, transforming us, molding us, shaping us, into the image of the Lord Jesus. God, in your grace, uh, in your great mercy and kindness, make us more like you. God, take our feeble hands and make us mighty ministers of reconciliation, which is what we're going to be talking about this morning. God, give us hope to believe that through you, entire nations can be brought into Christ. Lives can be changed. People can be reconciled to one another in amazing ways through you, God, and the power of your Holy Spirit at work. I thank you and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as I said, I'm excited, excited that you're here, so glad that you're able to join us. Now, um, over the last few weeks, maybe you weren't able to be here, maybe you missed one. I'm just going to do a little recap of where we've been. Uh, week one, I talked about how God has given us the blueprints to build bridges. Um, and who remembers what those blueprints are? Anyone? Okay, Natalie? What's a blueprint? Yeah, you got... Yeah, scripture, right? God's word is our blueprint for how we live life, how we interact. I talked especially with one another as a church, as people, how we interact with each other, and also how we interact with those outside of church. Um, the scriptures are our guide on that. Last week, who remembers what I talked about? This is a pop quiz. I should have brought candy like to give out, but uh, who remembers? We talked about the tools. God has given us the tools, the right tools in the toolbox. Uh, he's given us the Holy Spirit for, for to have healthy relationships with one another and reach people in the community. So we have the blueprints, we have the toolbox, we have what we need. We're going to look at the next step in the process today. Rebuilding is a key component to, to bridging the gap and mending broken relationships. That's just a reality. And part of the rebuilding process is that we must break down barriers that we face each and every day. And by breaking down barriers, reconciling and mending relationships, we become united in Christ with those who may be far off. 
There is a level of peace that I believe that is followed by this process that's like none other you can experience. And I, I want to give you an example of this. During World War II, um, in Nazi Germany, Hitler commanded basically that all of the churches had to become united under the Nazis' party's beliefs. So you had to become a Nazi if you were a clergy person, a pastor in Nazi Germany, and you were a Christian. You had to become a Nazi. You had to be united under their beliefs. And in Nazi Germany, about half of the Christians complied, and the other half refused to comply. Those who uh, went along with that order and, and kind of followed the Nazis' way, um, it, was, it was much easier for them. They got special benefits. They didn't face persecution. Um, they didn't deal with the hassle that came with it. But those who did not fall in line with the Nazis' teaching, they faced harsh persecution. And the reality, they looked at statistics, and those families who resisted, almost every single one of them lost someone in a concentration camp. Thousands and thousands of Christians died in Nazi Germany for standing against what the Nazis believed. When the war was over, you could imagine there was feelings of bitterness that ran deep between the two groups of Christians. There was tension. Uh, I would even say some hatred. And finally, they said the situation had to be healed. The churches, they were divided. They had to be healed. And so leaders from each group met, and they had a quiet retreat together. For several days, each person, each leader in the church, um, they spent time in prayer. They examined their own heart in light of Christ's commands. And then they came back together. And Francis Schaeffer, um, who's gotten to be with the Lord now, he told of the incident. He asked a friend who was there. He said, what did you do then after this, after this retreat? What did you do then? He's, the guy replied, he said, well, we were just one. That hatred, that, 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 that bitterness, that anger because of what happened. He said, we were just one. As they confessed their hostility and bitterness to God and yielded to his control, the Holy Spirit created a spirit of unity among them, even after that situation. I, I think of COVID sometimes with the churches right now. There's, there's a disunity, a political disunity. We have all sorts of disunity. If God could unify them... Can he unify us? I believe the answer is yes. Love filled their hearts and dissolved their hatred. See, when love prevails, especially in times of strong disagreements, it presents to the world an indisputable mark of a true follower of Jesus Christ. Only in the church can we have extreme unity like that. When we come together and we break down barriers, show love, and reconcile with each other, we become united. Unity, harmony, and peace are the trademarks of the kingdom of God. Disunity and chaos are the trademarks of Satan. That's just reality. You look at scripture, he sows, Satan sows disunity, Satan sows chaos, he's the author of lies. That's not the work of God. As we talked about before, it's necessary as bridge builders to take action. And this week, the action takes us to the book of Ephesians, where Paul is passionately discussing a division that was in the early church. And there was a division between the Jews and the Gentiles, or non-Jews, the nations. And the Jewish Christians, they wanted to keep some markers of the law um, that weren't necessary, that were in the Old Testament. And the, the Gentiles didn't want to. And there's fighting going on in the church, real fighting and, and hatred sometimes, at times. Um, but... 
we see Christ's reconciling work to bring harmony to that situation. So we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 11. You can turn there in your Bible, or I'll be putting it up on the screens. It is great to open and open the Word together and look at it together. So it's Ephesians 2, uh, chapter 11, or chapter 2, uh, starting in verse 11. This is Paul speaking to the church in Galatia, where this is a real problem. He says this. He says, therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. What is Paul getting at? Talking to Gentiles primarily, he's saying, he's saying it is, uh, the, this portion of scripture is talking about the hopeless condition of heathen living, that just reality. Before coming to Jesus, Gentiles were in a desperate place. They were aliens, strangers, having no hope, being without God. This shows that they were not only spiritually dead, but they also didn't have access to God that the Jewish people enjoyed. If, if you know your Old Testament, God had chosen the people of Israel to be his people, but he also desired them to be a light to the nations, and they had failed in doing that. And so both parties are at fault. They failed in their calling. But we're going to see that um, reconciliation, what Paul's going to talk about, is reconciliation is a gift. It's a gift. Now, the word reconcile in the Greek is katalaso, which is an intensified word that describes an exchange. So originally this word was used to describe uh, two people exchanging money or items. So you went to the market and you wanted to buy um, a cow, okay? And you, and you, and you, traded, you traded money for that cow. I, I saw someone post on Facebook and I thought it was funny, same idea. He, he had two dozen uh, organic farm fresh eggs and he said, willing to trade for a 2012 Jeep or newer, I know what I have. Because eggs are so expensive, right? You can buy a Jeep with them and in 2023. But it's that kind of idea of, of exchange between two people. The New Testament authors, uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit writing, they pick up on this. And they start taking this word and they use it to exchange an old way of life to a new way of life, this kylosal. Uh, think about two people exchanging a different position for a new position, or, or what they're really driving at is they're trading an old way of life for a new way of life. That's what this word means. Paul is speaking on this in 2 Corinthians 5.18. He says this. He says, all of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So as we look at to break barriers among us and prepare to build bridges, we must look to Christ as our example, as, as the one who did it, the, 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 the prototype, when we begin to talk about the process of reconciliation. We have the blueprints, we have the plans and the tools. Now we recognize that in Christ we have the gift of reconciliation. Look what Paul says here. He says, all of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. So Christ, if we're in Christ, he, he's done the work. He's reconciled us to himself. And then in turn, he's given us, the church, God's people, a ministry. And what is the ministry? It's a ministry of reconciliation. 
I, 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 the gift of reconciliation, I would even say that this is a mandate. God has mandated us as Christians to be involved in reconciling with each other and reconciling other people to the love of Christ. We're called to be ministers of reconciliation, facilitators of divine exchange, leading people from old to new, to broken to whole, from offended and hurt to forgiven. So one of the best ways I can illustrate it is, is in one of the most powerful stories of reconciliation I've ever heard. And, and it happens going back to World War II with a lady by the name of Corey Tenboom. Corey Tenboom. Now, if you know Corey Tenboom's story, her family, uh, they were Christians. They didn't stand with the Nazis. They stood against them. And they actually spent much of World War II helping to get Jewish people out of Nazi Germany to safety. And what would happen is they were eventually caught by the Nazis. And Corey Tenboom was thrown into a concentration camp with her sister, who eventually would die there. A horrible thing. If you know her story, it is absolutely atrocious what she went through. She was arrested, put into a concentration camp for a large chunk of the war, lost her sister, his family's business was destroyed. It was terrible. And she talks about giving a talk on forgiveness and reconciliation after, after the war. And at this talk, there was a guard at her Nazi-run concentration camp listening to that talk. And this guard came up to Corey Tenboom after um, the talk was over and asked for forgiveness. And listen to what she says about this moment of reconciliation be her and this Nazi guard in a concentration camp. This is what she said. She says, and so woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one outstretched to me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, raced down my arm, sprang into my jointed hand, and then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried with all of my heart. It's true. It's a true story. A concentration camp survivor being reconciled to her Nazi guard and captor. That's an incredible exchange. Only in and through the power of Christ can something like that happen. It's only through Jesus and the power of Christ can something like that happen. God's work of reconciliation is not only between singular persons, although that's probably the most common place it happens. It also happens between groups of people that are at odds, such as Jews and Gentiles, like we're talking about uh, in the day of Paul. But reconciliation is powerful, and its power is rooted in Christ. Christ is the one that brings about reconciliation. And as scripture says, you are now in Christ if you are a Christian. So just as the Jews and Gentiles became one in Christ, we too can take the tools and the blueprints we have been discussing to break down barriers, to reconcile people, to build bridges, to close gaps in our relationships. In, in our church, it must start there and in the community. Paul continues his thought here in Ephesians chapter 2, of verse 13. He picks up what he's just talking about. So there's division between Jews and Gentiles. He says this. That's not true anymore, Paul says. But now in Jesus Christ, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility 
by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in the ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. And might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off, which is the Gentiles, and peace to those who are near, which is the Jew. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Paul gives us this beautiful ending to our reading this morning. When barriers are broken, there's a level of peace and unity unlike anything else. Many people suggest different ways to draw near to God, right? You can keep all the rules and keep the law. Some people say you have to be a part of a certain nation or a certain group or a certain church or read a certain version of the Bible. Um, But the only way to be brought near to God is through the blood of Christ Jesus. What Jesus did on the cross, suffering for us as guilty sinners in our place, unites us with Christ. Jesus has reconciled us to the Father. He has built the divine bridge where once there was only a vast chasm caused by Satan, sin, and death. This is the picture we get in Scripture. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, he built a bridge for us to come and have relationship with him, and then he calls us to be ministers of reconciliation as well. In their excellent book on reconciliation, Emmanuel Ewell, Cantigo, and Chris Rice share of the true story of Billy Nor Neil Moore, another great example of reconciliation. This man finds Jesus in prison and ultimately finds his victim's parents to be his greatest advocate. Now, when Billy Neil Moore was in jail awaiting trial in which he would be sentenced to death, a pastor showed up and preached the gospel to him, and he put his faith in Jesus. He learned he was not beyond God's redemption. And, and after he got saved, uh, he got changed, and he wrote to his victim's parents, and he asked for forgiveness for, for the murder he committed. And astoundingly, they immediately wrote back, so they were also Christians and had forgiven him. Then the family decided to go one step further, and they uh, petitioned the Georgia Parole Board to commute Moore's death sentence. And in 1991, Moore was paroled from prison, transformed by the grace of God and his victim's family members. He says this, when I was released, they embraced me like a brother, he said of Stapleton's family, who he had killed. He has been preaching the gospel of forgiveness to school children and church groups ever since. Much like more, when we come to Christ, when we come to Christ, we realize that in him we can break down any barrier, break down any hostility. Moore had a barrier of prison and bitterness based on his actions, but was able to come closer to God and to reconcile a relationship that was severed by murder. By murder. By any measure, this is an unthinkable exchange only made possible through the power of Jesus. Any relational barrier you face today can be broken down with Christ. Anyone you face, any struggle you have, any person you're butting heads with, anyone you disagree with, anyone who hates you, any, any barrier. If Jesus can ba- break down the barrier between a, a Nazi concentration camp guard and someone captive there, or someone who murdered someone's family member, he can do anything. He can build and break Break down those barriers and build bridges in your life. The pressing question is this. Are you choosing to seek the ultimate barrier breaker for help? Or are you trying to do it by some other means? Anything less than Christ Jesus won't do. 
As Jesus himself describes in John 15, 5, he says this. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you remain in Jesus, you stay connected to the vine, connected to him, you can do anything in regards to reconciliation. Which leads me to my last point is this. Unity and diversity in Christ. The work of Jesus on the cross is the common ground for salvation for both Jews and Gentiles. Therefore, there's no longer any dividing wall between us. God has torn it down. I, I, I think of this. Um, those that are my age or older, you remember the Berlin Wall, right? It was torn down. What happened when it was torn down? East and West Germany was, was reunited again after being divided. Jesus tears down the dividing wall between us. He tears it, he rips it to the ground. The wall of separation is gone because of the common lordship of Jesus is greater than any previous division that we have as people in a church. Any division we have, the lordship of Jesus is greater. If the lordship of Jesus is not greater than any difference you have with others, whether it be political or ethnic or economic or language or, or geography, whatever it is, you have not fully understood what it means to be under the lordship of Jesus Christ. For through him we both, we all have access to the Father by one spirit. Paul says this in Romans 12, 5. He says, so we though many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. The church is unified as one body. There is only one church. It is the church of Jesus Christ. It belongs to him. Yet we are distinct as individual members in that church body. In the body of Christ, there's unity, not uniformity. I need to be clear on this here. Many of us, in the, in some in the church, want, want this uniformity and trying to make all cultures and churches the same. That was never God's intention, which is why he's given us different cultures and nations and churches which reflect him. We err when we neglect either aspect. Unity should never be prompted at the expense of individuality, and individuality should never diminish the church's essential unity in Christ. Jesus is our common ground in the church. We are one body in Christ. Galatians 3.28 says this, There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. We break down barriers among each other because we are united in Christ. Diversity in the body was God's plan. Division was not. This distinction is vitally important as you consider the job of building bridges, reconciliation, and forgiveness. Diversity in the body is beautiful and good. Hostility and division does not reflect the kingdom of God to a watching world. Division and hostility are far from the heart of God. Reconciliation is at the heartbeat of the kingdom, the kingdom of God. We must be on the same page working together for our mission. Here's the truth. We're going to have disagreements as a church. We're going to disagree on some things. We're not going to have uniformity. We're not all going to think the exact same way. We're, some of us are going to want blue walls. Some of us are going to want white. Some of us are going to want worship to be a certain way. Some of us are going to want it to be another way. Some of them are going to want the structure of, the, of how the sermon looks to be different. We're not going to all agree on everything. But if we keep Jesus at the center, the gospel Christ and our mission, which we've said is to boldly live out the truth of Scripture as making disciples, helping people deepen their relationship with Christ, we can have unity, a supernatural unity as a church.
As A.W. Tozer has said, has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos all tuned to the same fork are automatically tuned to each other? They are of one accord by being tuned not to each other, but to another standard, which each one must individually bow. So 100 worshipers meeting together, each one looking to Christ, are in heart nearer to each other than they could ever possibly be. I love this picture. It's a reminder that when we tune ourselves to Christ, when we keep the focus on Jesus, the one who is our example, our teacher, our leader, our savior, our redeemer and king, when we are all pointed towards him, worshiping him, we are closer to each other than we could ever be by any other means. Jesus is the key. He is our example and he has given us the divine blueprints and plans we need to follow. However, in order to fall, we must be willing to take action. We must be willing to get out of our comfort zone and routines and pursuit of forgiveness and healing. We must be willing to put others in front of ourselves at times. Like the father in the story of the prodigal son, we run towards reconciliation with each other. We extend a hand in the process and we celebrate when relationships are healed. Healing is at the heart of the father. And reconciliation is the ministry he's given us reconciling others to Christ through faith in the community, but reconciling too with each other when our relationships become fractured and frayed and we have disagreements. What can you do today to build a bridge? Who can you build a bridge to? Who, can, who do you need to reconcile with in this community? What can you do today? Close the gap. Decrease the chasm around you. Build a bridge. Don't make it bigger. Be like Corey Ten Boom in the prison guard. Tear down the barrier. It takes intentionality, it takes grit, it starts one person at a time. And it can start today with you. As I consider these words and this high calling, and it is a high calling, and it maybe seems overwhelming and impossible, I'm reminded of the words of Mary, the mother of our Lord Jesus, who said, for nothing will be impossible with God. When you work towards reconciliation, it's not impossible. It is very possible with Jesus. So truly trust him today. It's possible. May God bless you richly. May he encourage you to do this. May he raise up ministers of reconciliation for the great task that is at hand. Let us pray. Lord God, I pray for a supernatural unity within this body. God, I pray for a unified church in our nation not unified on, on stuff or, 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 you know, just random things, but unity in you. Unity in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Unity in the holy scriptures. Not what we want, but what the scriptures teach us. What they show us about Jesus and the church. God, I pray for that unity here, and I pray for that un the unity for the churches in our nation and our world. God, I, I pray for harmony with the believers, with their brothers and sisters here in Christ. I pray, so God, sometimes we're willing to put our, our wants and desires aside. Um, God, that we're willing to put others first. We're willing to be ministers of reconciliation here in this body. God, I, I pray for such a supernatural unity in this church that those looking um, from the outside in say, wow. What is God doing there? That church is, they're unified. They love each other. They're living out the, the commands of Christ in this community like nothing I've ever seen before. God, that is my prayer. May it be so through the powerful name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.